Hey guys, and welcome to Around the World Sports. My name is Aaron Schellen. Today, I am joined by lead fantasy football analyst for Fantasy Focused and sports anchor for Newsnet, Derek Tate. Join us and dominate your upcoming fantasy football leagues as Derek and I talk about past disappointments and successes, as well as some of the players to target and to avoid in this year's draft. Thanks for watching. Today, I am joined by the sports anchor for Newsnet in Cadillac, Michigan, and the lead fantasy football analyst for Fantasy Focus, Derek Tate. Derek can be reached on Twitter at DTater4. Derek, how you doing? You know, it's great to be back on the mic with you. It's been a long time, my friend. Nice. Windy City Bulls type days, like back in 2018. It's great to see you, man. And I'm excited to talk a little bit of football, even though we don't have football quite yet. Yeah, we we were we, we did some some Windy City Bulls together. We we did some uh, Lincoln Way Patriots uh, action oh, yeah. as well. So, yeah, we, we go back a couple of years here and uh you know, you've moved on from from Illinois to, to, to bigger and better things. And, and I appreciate you taking some time with me today. I mean, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit of sports with you, my friend. I mean, it's it's an exciting time because I, for sports fans, it's a worrisome time. But there's hope on the horizon as we start to look at the NBA, the NHL and the Major League Baseball finally getting to an agreement to a deal and then. You know, the National Football League, you know, we're, you know, obviously fantasy football is a huge passion of mine, but they just canceled the Hall of Fame game, which is not surprising, but hopefully it's not a, a sign of things to come with the coronavirus. Obviously, the safety and of players, staff, coaches, all the personnel that go into conducting these games is, is paramount and comes first. But, you know, as football fans, we're all sitting here hoping, holding our breath and, and, cautiously optimistic we're going to have a season this year for this this little segment here we're gonna we're gonna live in a little a little bubble so to speak and, and okay. pretend that that everything is is gonna go off without a hitch and, and come august one we are going to be inundated with uh with sports from from all leagues sound good Oh, sounds great. Let's do right, it. Let's cool. put on our hats and move forward, baby. <laughs> sounds good. So, Derek, what I want to do is is I want to I want to kind of tap into your fantasy football background and, and expertise here a little bit. And, and we'll get into the upcoming NFL season here in, in a little bit. But first, I want to have a little fun with it. And I want to talk about the past. I want to talk about um, fantasy football, how you got involved in it. Uh, kind of where the passion, you know, how you got hooked on it, and then talk about some some individual players and seasons and things like that 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 either either made or broke your seasons because like, we all have those players who who cost us a title, and by the same on the on the flip side of that, we all have players that that help deliver us a title. But I want to oh, get yeah. into some of that stuff too. So let's let's start with kind of the beginning. So how did you get involved in fantasy football, and what was it about? the game that got you hooked. This is the part where you have like a little flashback scene in any sort of visual medium, but 
let me go ahead and paint the picture that my, my, my passion for football started when I was a kid. My dad really gave me no choice. He had to be tackling couch cushions at the age of three. And if I didn't run full speed, I'd get put on my rear end pretty fast from my dad, you know, telling me, you know, if you either get, you either hit hard or you get hit hard. So that kind of, you know, logged my passion for football, but that carried right into, you know, high school. I played a little bit of college football in my day as well. But, you know, once I got done with my playing days, I really found myself, you know, starving to do something when it comes to football before I got into sports broadcasting. It was trying to be right. It was trying to tell everybody else, I know what's going to happen and you don't. So how, what's the one thing that you can do in a competitive aspect to, to basically show everybody that, you know what's going to happen before it actually happens. That's playing fantasy football, drafting players that you know are going to have a big season or you have a feeling you're going to have a big year or something of that nature. And not only that, but the individual matchups. So that really started right when I finished playing college football is I had this large passion for it filled a void of competitiveness Mm -hmm. when it comes to football, kind of combining those two things together. Uh, But when you talk about, Biggest busts and, and biggest uh, biggest home runs that I've hit, uh, biggest league winners, or you want to call it. I'll start with the good. Um, in 2012, we were actually, I play in probably about five leagues a year, but uh, the one, there's always one that's near and dear to your heart. It's normally with the friends that you had back in high school that you played football with or you played sports with growing up. Uh, this is the league that I want to win every year. I want my name to be on the trophy. I want to hang it up on my wall. I want to walk around with it. And if I'm sitting in a booth by myself, I'll put the trophy at the other end when I'm having lunch by myself, I'll even order it, you know, a a piece of cake, you know, to celebrate, you know, our championship. (laughs) But, uh, in 2012, if you remember, that was the year that RG3 came into the league. And it wasn't – I actually drafted Robert Griffin III because, you know, his, his athleticism coming out of Baylor was off the charts. But I remember the day of the draft, I saw this kid out of Florida Atlantic pl- tear it up in a preseason game, and it was one Alfred Morris. He went undrafted. So later that day, the day of the draft, I, we were out and about at a bar in Tampa Bay, and I actually pulled out my phone, and I'm, I'm picking this guy up right now. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I like what I saw, and they don't really have an incumbent that I feel confident in, so maybe this kid can have a role. And lo and behold, he finished the year as a, as a top five back in standard formats and helped me win a championship. That's that's interesting. It's, it, it always seems to be the running backs that that sort of come out of nowhere. For me, we're going to go back a, f- uh, a few more years. I, I got a few years on you here. But for me, it was 2000. Okay. Um, my uh, I was in um, just an ESPN league with with some friends of mine. And. Uh, about two or three weeks into the season, I picked up Mike Anderson of the Broncos and Mike Anderson in the year 2000 ended up putting up 1500 yards and 15 touchdowns. And I went 13 and one in the regular season that year. And eventually I actually lost in the championship game, but, but that, that pickup is one that I will remember forever uh, because of, of just the impact he had on my team. But it, it always seems to be that because you never know with running backs, right? You, you, you never know, you know, if the, if the carries are going to get split or, you know, who's going to come out of nowhere, uh, you know, to, to put up a thousand yards and, and double digit touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, that's the Alfred Morris is a good one. He's had a, he's had a pretty decent career here over the last decade. 
He did. He did. he had that good run there. I think it was first three years he ran for over a thousand yards with with the Washington Redskins. I mean, uh, and for a guy that went undrafted and is wasn't super athletic, but was just kind of a gamer, man. You could tell that he really paid attention and put in the work in the lab in the off season and knew how to. He had a just great instinct to feel for the game. I mean, and you bring it's funny you bring up the Denver Broncos because that Shanahan system not only was it Mike Anderson, but it was also like a Lindus Gary. Then you had Clinton Portis. I mean, anybody that they plugged and played at that running back spot in that system um, definitely seemed like they had like a thousand yards and six touchdowns by default. But the, 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 the running back position has changed so much in fantasy football from the, from even from the turn of the millennium with 2000, where you had pretty much your bell cow back that got, you know, 15 to 20 carries a game and, it's changed completely. Now everything is damn near a platoon. If, if your name isn't Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, uh, it's a different day and age. So you find a lot of gems at running back every single year. They guys that go undrafted uh, seem to have some sort of significant impact. Yeah. I mean, unless you are, you know, unless you're picking one of those, those two top backs, and this will get into my, into my, into our, our all time bus here in a second, but unless oh, yeah. you're picking one of those top two or three backs, it's it's not a sure thing anymore that that you know your first round pick is going to be a running back. I mean, you're just as likely your your top pick is going to be one of those those top wide receivers now because because like you said, those those carries and those touches are are just split between two and sometimes three. You know, you look at a team like the Patriots. I mean, they run out three four running backs, and you know you can't you never know who's going to get the ball on a week to week basis. Yeah, New England's been that problem. The one constant has been Tom Brady under center. But yeah. outside of that, fantasy performers have been relegated to either the slot receiver in Wes Welker or Julian Edelman. Right. Of course, you had Gronk. But, yeah, the backfield is – I mean, we've seen Lawrence Maroney come and go. We've seen the likes of Sony Michelle have here and there games. I mean, oh, what is the name of the player that scored four touchdowns Jonas and then Gray. was inactive? the next week I forget his name his name is slipping my mind but jo- Jonas Gray was his that's name. it Jonas yeah. Gray man I thought he played fantastic and then he missed him came up short for a meeting or something like that and boom he's inactive the very next week the Patriots backfield is I mean trying to figure out you know the the dark Lord Sidious uh Bell Belichick and what's in his mind as a weekly game plan is it's 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 damn near impossible. Yeah, well, that's you know that's that's another uh, connection that you and I you and I have. Me being a Patriots fan and you being a, a Buccaneers fan. Oh, yeah. uh, Tampa's quickly turning into New England South. So actually, this whole state of Florida is when you factor in the Dolphins and 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 Tampa and sort of the the Patriot flavor those teams have. So. It'll be interesting to see how how uh, the longtime Patriots impact your your dear Tampa Bay Bucks. For sure, I'm surprised you don't have a Brady Buccaneers jersey hanging in the background. I mean, I, you know what's funny is I do actually have, and here I'll I'll, I'll show you this really quick. Hang on, I, I bring this up as part of. Uh, I actually I, I have this as as my work background for Zoom. Okay. <laughs> yes. So I figured you, you of all people would appreciate that. So he looks good. (laughs) He looks real good. Well, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. Let's, let's talk about, so we talked about, about those, that, that, that one player that, that kind of sticks with you as a, as a, as a, a a non-drafted or a mid-season pickup. What about the player that you picked, you know, in the first round and you expected to carry your team and things just went the opposite direction. Same league. I think it was 
2017. And I was in pretty good shape because I had a, a, a that's a keeper league and I had a very good keeper. I think it was like David Johnson after his all pro season in 2016. I was like, man, if I can just pair him up with another stud running back. So, I mean, there were some interesting running backs that were already off the board. Uh, but I was super high on Jay Ajayi after he had a breakout season in the back half of 2016. Right. I think he had like three games where he rushed for over 200 yards and he looked like a monster. And I was like, dude, this guy could blow up. I, I cause there, I didn't see anybody else challenging him for touches there in Miami. Um, Jay Cutler went there and that ended up <sighs> JHI didn't even finish the season on the Miami Dolphins. Nope. He finished with the, the Eagles that year. And it was, that was a disaster. I took him at like number, I went on a limb and took him at number four overall. Oof. And boy, that was an absolute disaster. Like David Johnson broke his forearm in week number one. I was the bottom dweller of the league. I finished, I finished like 11th, but it, out of 12, but it was, oh man, I, I was given a hard time the entire year because that was actually the rookie years of, not only Christian McCaffrey, but Tyreek Hill. I drafted both of them in the second and the third round because I was very high on both of them. And they they both showed glimpses, but they didn't have those full breakouts right. yet. So they weren't McCaffrey and Hill yet. Yeah. Yet. They weren't there yet. I was I was ahead of the curve and I was right, but it just it didn't come together that year and my team ended up looking like hot hot garbage. Uh it's funny you bring up David Johnson because I had the number four pick in last year's draft and uh, my thought process and and maybe had I had I talked to, uh, to, to to Mr. Tate and the team over at Fantasy Focus, they could have directed me in a, in a different uh, different way. But my thought process was Kyler Murray um, going to be a very good, very mobile, very talented quarterback, but he's going to be a rookie and rookies tend to gravitate towards those outlet valves towards people that they f feel safe with. And I figured in a PPR league that David Johnson would blow up as Kyler Murray with Kyler Murray as his quarterback. I took David Johnson as the number with the number four pick and the rest, as they say is history by mid season. He wasn't starting. And by the end of the year, he wasn't playing at all. Uh, and, and I wasn't was able to, find somebody to fill that void. And, and I started the season off pretty well when, when Johnson was healthy, uh, he went down and I think, I mean, I ultimately, I think I finished fourth or something in a 12 team league, but when your number one, number four overall pick gives you absolutely nothing after like week five, um, that's a tough pill to swallow. It's even tougher when you swing and miss in the first round and it has nothing to do with injury. It's one thing if he blows out his ACL or, or has a season ending injury mm -hmm. and you know that you, it's, you know, that's how it happens. It's football. You have to move on, right. but to have him on your roster and to see him put up these duds and then to see that Kenyon Drake just straight up deboed the position from him when he got to town from Miami. And speaking of which we'll talk about potential breakout players, Kenyon Drake, spoiler, spoiler alert. He's going to be on one of my uh, breakout candidates for this year, but right. yeah, the fact that David Johnson just got completely played off the football field. I know he suffered a little bit of an injury and chase Edmonds had a, a couple good games, but when they traded for Drake and they were both healthy, healthy Drake just completely outplayed David Johnson. Yeah. And don't worry, the Cardinals, all they got in return was DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's, you know, you know, that's, that's again, you know, a uh, familiar play, familiar face in a new place is, 
you know, it's going to be interesting. We talk about Brady and Gronkowski and Hopkins. I mean, those are three of the kind of the most iconic players in the NFL in the last decade. And they're all, they're all in in new homes this year. So um, I do have a question for you though, real quick. What's the most lopsided fantasy trade you've ever been in a league that you've seen happen? Ooh, um, because it happens, man, where you start here. There's a fine line between collusion. And and I think that accusing someone of colluding with another owner, that is like, that's like shaving points for a football player. That that is just an unspoken, do not go there type of type of unspoken rule there in fantasy football. But there are some trades that people legitimately in their mind think that their team is getting better. So you almost can't veto the trade and you have to allow a person some freedom to run the team that they want, how they want to run it. But have you ever seen a trade that just made you go, what in the world were you thinking? Um, I can tell you, and, and I'd have to go back and look at the specifics. I right. I'm, I'm in my mid forties. So my, my memory <laughs> is starting to go here a little bit, but there was actually a trade this past season in, in the, in the keeper league that I'm in that we as a league ended up vetoing. Um, and I'd have to go back and look at, at the exact, the exact information, but I want to say it included Mahomes. Um, and I don't remember what was going the other direction, but we all looked at it and went, yeah, this isn't happening. Like, you know, we're, you, you guys are either colluding or we're protecting you from yourself. One of the two. That's not, you hate doing it. You hate having to do something like that. But I mean, occasionally it does come up one that didn't get vetoed and it's in a dynasty league, which means, I don't know if you play any, it's, it's similar to a keeper format, except you just keep your entire roster, okay. you know, till the league dissipates or ends or whenever. Right. Um, so last year we were in the rookie draft and some jab- unnamed jabroni gave up Derrick Henry, who ended up being what a top five running back. Yeah. For Nelson Aguilar and Paris Campbell. That was it. That was the and Derrick Henry's side gave up a future first round pick. Was this before the season started or was before this- the season started? Yes. Okay. I mean, I guess you could make an argument somewhere that nobody could see Derrick Henry having the kind of year that Derrick Henry had last year. Um I get it. I understand. But Derrick Henry and a first round yeah, pick. Right. I mean, it's, or it's Nelson Aguilar and Paris Campbell. I, I would say it's 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 close. It's, it's borderline at best, at absolute best. Sure. Even even Derrick Henry circa last year or, or the year before that is is especially, you know, if you're if, if you're in a PPR league. You know, Derrick Henry doesn't have the value that that he would have elsewhere, and I don't think anybody saw the kind of year out of Der- you know coming coming out of Derrick Henry that that what you got out of him. But, but well, no, still, I mean, he had a historic run there at the end of the year. Yeah, but even still, Henry and a first for Algalore, who is at best a number three. You know, at best, at best, this is a standard league too. Yeah, this isn't PPR where Derrick Henry's at a significant disadvantage because he never catches more than twenty passes in a year. It's yeah, in a, a standard non, in a non PPR league, Derrick Henry has a lot more value because you know the ultimate goal is yards and touchdowns and and that sort of thing. But yeah, that's 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 a rough one, man. That's yeah. it, it did it, it did it go through? Did it? Yeah, it went through. I mean, it, you know, because unfortunately, it was the commissioner that was a part of the trade. Um, 
And look, I don't want, again, a, a man has a right to go ahead and manage his team however he sees fit as long as there's no clear evidence of collusion. Uh, that's, that's my gen- that is my belief when it comes to your team. It is your team. There are reasons why there are bad NFL franchises yeah. because owners run their team very poorly. Um, and it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. So, I mean, the same should apply. If you're paying to be in the league, you should be able to run your team the way that you want to be able to run it. But, I mean, that tr- that trade to me was devoid of logic. Yeah, you know, and, and I guess the the the, the strategies and, and things like that are, are going to be different in a – in a dynasty type league where you're keeping your entire roster decisions have to be made. You know, are you heavy at running back? Are your, you know, right. Is your, is your quarterback position getting old? Do you have to start planning for the future? So I could see trading Henry. If you're picking up a, you know, a young wide receiver or, you know, it's future assets that maybe can help your team down the road, just like a real rebuilding team would do. Correct. Trade yeah. their, they trade their, their older players for, for draft picks and, and, future future talent but to get back an equally aging wide receiver as the key component of the deal while also giving up a first round pick yeah that's i, I hope that owner got a got a stern talking to from the rest of the uh, he's picking he's picking first in this upcoming rookie draft that's not so a i mean surprise. <laughs> that's not a surprise. rough year for the guy it's kind of like fantasy karma came back to bite him and it's a first round pick that he doesn't have so, oh, so he, uh, so he, he gave up his. Oh, so this, so those picks aren't even protected. So that Correct. that makes it even worse. Oh so, yeah, I mean he did it to himself. Yeah. I mean you know, and it's it is what it is. Of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. If Paris Campbell would have blown up and Aguilar would have had a nice year and all that stuff, I'm just saying that if you named even heading into last year, if you named those three players, who was the most valuable? Easily, it was Derrick Henry. Uh, and then you not only did you give up Derrick Henry, but you gave up, you know, high draft capital along with a, you know, borderline running back one heading into last year. And now, of course, you know, it looks even w- more lopsided oh, yeah, than it did back then. Yeah, but sure. anyway, I was just a thought coming up like, you know, big mistakes. Those are mistakes that that happen in leagues on a yearly basis that uh, when you when you're in the league, you're kind of like, well, I, I, there's nothing I can do about it unless I'm part of the trade. Yeah, you know, and uh, all owners kind of have the, the, you know, there's the selfish part of it too. You know, if there's a team that you're battling with with position for in, in the league and, you know, all of a sudden they're picking up, you know, Mahomes or they're picking up, you know, Travis Kelsey or they're picking up George Kittle or something like that, you're like, man, I really want to veto this trade. I don't want, you know, I don't want, you know, I can't allow this to happen, but but you gotta, you know, the, you know, the, the Patriots can't stop the Bucks from, from making deals to improve their offense at this point. So, um, yeah, like trading a fourth rounder for a retired tight end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I right, mean, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> on, on the surface, that looks like a steal for the Patriots, no doubt. Uh, but yeah, I, I have a feeling that one's going to work out just fine for the Bucks. Gronk is, when he's Gronk. happy, he is, he is something else. So, um, so let's, let's talk about, um, uh, kind of overrated and, and, and underrated, but but not on a on a year to year basis. Is there a player um, on kind of both sides of the spectrum that that kind of religiously either goes, you know, picked higher than they should or lower than they should? So for the past couple of years, even though I see how immensely talented this young man is, 
I'm going to say he's overdrafted because I don't think he's overrated. I think he is actually a very, very, very good player. And mm-hmm. he reminds me a lot of a more athletic version of Lev Bell. That's Joe Mixon of the Cincinnati Bengals. When I watch him play and he has competent blocking in front of him, the dude is an absolute stud. Uh, he easily, in the right situation, could be a top five fantasy back. So, But every year, people are taking him on that, that ceiling, that potential. And you see people reaching on him in the first round every single season because they expect the the talent to eventually catch up with the, with the perceived production. Uh, and that just isn't the case. It hasn't been so far. Is this the year that he could break out? Yes, it could. But every single year, man, everybody just overlooks the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals have had major issues on the offensive line, major issues as far as on the defensive side of the football, giving up a ton of points on a per game basis and they still have Giovanni Bernard, who was a pass catching specialist. Every single year, you overlook that in the hopes that the talent produces like you think it could. And it definitely could, but it's just every single year, you have to take into account the players that are around these guys in their situations, not just the talents. Same thing with maybe like Odell Beckham Jr. Dude has all world talent and. Pr- Every single year, people remember the first three years that he had the National Football League. That dude has not been the same over the last two seasons. He just hasn't. And what has changed? They picked up an offensive court, offensive-minded coach and Kevin Stefanski that they're going to be able to run the football like they did in Minnesota last year with Dalvin Cook. Now you've got not only Nick Chubb, but a former rushing champion and Kareem Hunt as the number two. You added Jedrick Wills. And you also got the offensive lineman from the Tennessee Titans as well. So you short up that offensive line and you got a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football, yet people are still drafting OBJ in the second round and expecting him to return on that, on that freakish ability that he's displayed, but it's been inconsistent and he really hasn't been able to stay healthy either. I mean, it's OBJ and Joe Mixon are the two guys that come to mind that are you're paying face value top shelf price for as far as draft capital which we haven't seen it enough to really justify being taken where they are every single year and and in both of those players you mentioned the other thing that you need to take into account right or wrong the other thing you need to take into account is the other stuff that goes along with drafting joe mixon and obj and and mixon has a has a history of off the field issues we shall say um, OBJ is, you know, he, he's a, a great football player when his mind is right. Um, but you have to wonder, you know, there was talk last year about him wanting out of Cleveland or potentially being traded from the Browns right. after a really short amount of time. So you have to take that into account too, you know, is, is, does Mixon, is Mixon going to potentially run into off the field issues? I mean, he's been fine since he's been, since he's been in, in the NFL, but he had some issues in college and, and OBJ is, is, is seemingly one of those players who's at a different level when the mind is right. So you have to wonder which versions of these players you're getting as well. So when you, when you, you bring up Joe Mixon in particular, it, it, it harkens back to maybe someone like Tyree Kill who had ish, documented issues back mm-hmm. in their collegiate days with right. uh, you know, domestic violence or, or 
certain altercations and issues with the law. Uh, granted, I mean, Tyreek Hill had uh, an issue that the NFL didn't end up suspending them. So they concluded their investigation saying that there was no wrongdoing or not enough evidence to really be able to punish Tyree kill. But I, I understand what you're saying when it comes to taking in off the field um, factors that come into investing that high a draft capital right. on a player like Joe Mixon, even though in, in the NFL he's been, he's had no issues. Right. So, um, but when it comes to Odell Beckham jr, it's interesting because He's it's not like he's ever had run-ins with the crime with like with the law or anything like that. I mean, he's I've seen some social media posts that make me scratch my head. I've also seen him give cash to LSU players on the football field after winning a national championship, which I mean, come on, dude. Like you went to LSU. Like you gotta be happy for your program. You're there clearly supporting them. You don't think that might get them in a little bit of hot water. If you are sitting there giving cash money to players with cameras pointing at you in all 360 degrees. I mean, use your head. Yeah. He's a smart, well-spoken young man that his decisions don't always line up with the intellect that he has displayed. It, It just, I mean, Odell, I don't want to call him a head case, but like you said, if his head, it seems like if his head ain't right and he ain't fully happy off the field, then it trickles onto the football field. Yeah, uh, he's you know, I mean, you know, wide receivers in the NFL have long been known as divas, you know, and and OBJ kind of fits into that into that that world. So, what about the other side? Who are players that are that are routinely underdrafted? The the guys that are that get no love. Um I think you're going to see a guy like Adam Thielen, who I know he had a rough year last year, but he got hurt. He he was he was hurt. And not to mention now Stefan Diggs is out of town right. and Diggs was I mean, Diggs wanted out of there last year. And I, I mean, somehow they they hosed the Buffalo Bills into giving up a first round pick for a guy that requested on Twitter to be traded. It's Unbelievable. And DeAndre Hopkins went for a second, but I digress. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which one was worse? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I digress. Um, but when it comes to Adam Thielen, I, I think Thielen, I mean, just two years ago, man, he had what a stretch of eight straight games with seven catches and a hundred or more yards and a touchdown to start the year. I mean, this dude can still ball out. I mean, yeah, Justin Jefferson's on the other side and they're still going to be a team that is primarily built through running the football But if they're going to be throwing the ball, you're going to see a ton of target volume for someone like Adam Thielen. And one other player that I want to mention, and he's there in Chicago, Allen Robinson, dude. AR-12 is a stud. I love Allen Robinson, and I think that you saw what he fully is last season with Mitchell Trubisky under center. With You never knew which Mitchell Trubisky we were going to get on a week-to-week basis. Normally, it was more bad than good. But we still saw Allen Robinson put up a top 10 PPR year. And I don't know what you need to see from the guy. And whether it's Foles or Trubisky under center, we've now seen Allen Robinson put up top 10 seasons with the likes of Mitchell Trubisky and Blake Bortles as his quarterback when healthy. So I love me some Allen Robinson, and I think he's chronically underappreciated at the wide receiver spot. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that people are assuming that that his output will be stunted by the fact that he's got Trubisky throwing him the football. 
you know, say, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of hate in, in Minnesota about cousins and the amount of money he's making and, and that sort of thing. But her cousins, I mean, he's put up the numbers. I mean, the, the stats are there, the yards are there, the touchdowns mm-hmm. are there. And I think you're absolutely right with Diggs being gone. Uh, Thielen is, is going to be that go-to guy for, for the, the, the Minnesota offense. And he may not, he may not, the numbers, I think, I think they'll probably even out because when you got digs on the other side, that forces you to either single team Thielen or you single team. Oh, right. De- you can't, yeah. you can't double team both of them. So, so I think Thielen's probably going to see more defensive attention than he was seeing with, with digs being gone. So the numbers may, may come down a little, but now he's going to be the main target. He's more, gonna- more volume, less efficiency. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and then like, like I said, with Robinson, I mean, you know, if he can, if he can perform with, 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 uh, Trubisky under center being as, as inconsistent as Trubisky was, if Trubisky can take a step forward, or if he doesn't take a step forward and Foles comes in and can just be a little bit more consistent, you know, who knows what, what the ceiling is, what the ceiling is for, for, for Robinson, assuming the bears have somebody else on that offense that can take some of the pressure off. Well, I mean, we've been waiting for me personally. I was in love with Anthony Miller when he came out of college, when he came out of the University of Memphis. I I saw a lot of playmaking ability and route running ability from the young man. And it it seems like he'll flash a game here or there, but it's 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 hard to predict the Bears offense you know, what any of their production is going to be. Because you have, one, you have Matt Nagy, who can't make up his mind whether right. he wants to actually run the football at all with a struggling quarterback and a great defense. Just wrap your mind around that with it when it comes to his offensive philosophy. He's supposed to be a genius, but I see a lot of concerning, you know, patterns when it comes to his play calling. But when it comes to, when it comes to Allen Robinson, I think what was proven last year is that he is the focal point of this passing attack. And right. they didn't really add anybody else to, to significantly take away his base volume of targets and work in the passing game. And, and the one thing that's good about Nick Foles being in town is if Mitchell Trubisky struggles, then you have a competent backup quarterback that can come in and at least give you the same level of play, if not higher than what we've seen from Trubisky throughout his entire career. Absolutely. So is there, and I don't want you to, to, to give away any, any trade secrets here, and I certainly don't oh, want come you on. To, to shorthand yourself in your own drafts, but is there a player, like for me, and you know, for me, I, you know, I, I, I try not to be one of those fantasy football players that, that overdrafts players mm-hmm. from the Patriots because they're my team and I want to root for my team. And you see, I see it all the time here, people taking, you know, the Bears players, you know, before they showed or taking certain bears players at right. all. Mm-hmm. Is there a player that, that you just, you can't, that you can't quit. Is there somebody that, that you inevitably ends up on, on your team every year? You know, it's, it, it depends on what round you're talking about. Um, uh, one player that ends, I mean, I play a lot of fantasy football, so I have a lot of shares of players. Yeah. Um, you know, one guy in particular though, I mean, that's a little bit tricky. I I always seem to wind up with Devonta Freeman on my teams. A lot of years, that's not going to apply because he's not even on a team this year, but I have to give him a shout out because I believed in the kid coming out of Florida state 
And I reaped the benefits of his breakout year in, in I think it was 2015. Uh, so Freeman was somebody that was always kind of near and dear to my heart because he was kind of a, an underdog uh, coming out of Florida State. I mean, he was a fourth round pick. And then I think uh, they took Tevin Coleman the very next draft in the third round. So I, there was a chance that we never even saw Freeman get an opportunity. But then he got his chance in 2015 and just blew up and had a pretty good career there with the Atlanta Falcons. But yeah, he was a guy that wound up on a lot of my teams year in, year out. And he, he didn't have a ceremonious end last season, but he's certainly been a guy that's been on my teams a lot. But this year, I mean, Josh Gordon too, uh, when he was heading, heading into every year, man, I, every single year, I fell in love with that 2013 season that he had with the yep. Cleveland Browns where he led the league in receiving yards in 14 games. Uh, and Derek I Anderson saw, is his quarterback. Oh my, yeah. I mean, what that and Brian Hoyer, I think played a couple games too. I mean, it was Josh Gordon was, he's going to be a what if story, even if he does get reinstated, he's a guy that I've always been like, Oh, well now he's got a chance. Now he's got a chance. And it's, it's just never come to fruition. He's been a guy that's broken my heart on, on a bunch of occasions. Uh, For me, for me, it was, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's Julian Edelman. I, I can't, I can't quit Jules. I, I find a way to, to, to get him on my team. And, and, you know, I mean, that's really the one, you know, there are certain players on, on, you know, if I took, I mean, I could take Rob Gronkowski in any round and people would, you know, they wouldn't give me a hard time for it. But Edelman is that one player. I, I absolutely love Julian Edelman, um, on the field, off the field. I think he's, um, you know, the definition of an underdog. I mean, he was a quarterback in college and, you know, went in the, in the seventh round and, 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 you know, he's become, you know, not only Tom Brady's best friend, but, but is he, you know, he was his most trusted receiver for the better part of a decade. And can and, you believe that Mitchell Trubisky has been to more pro bowls than Julian Edelman has? You know, it's, it's absurd. Sickening. Um, you know, and, and, you, and, and he's one of those players and, and this year might be a little different, you know, or it might be more of the same with, with Stidham at quarterback. And again, that rookie quarterback looking for that, that safety valve and that, right. that, that player that he feels comfortable with. So I think you're going to see James White, Julian Edelman, you know, kind of reaping those benefits of, 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 of kind of being those check downs and, and the, the players that, 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 that uh, Jared Stidham kind of relies on, but you knew what you were going to get from Jules. You knew you were going to get anywhere from 80 to hundred catches, you know, 1100 yards, seven or eight touchdowns, which, you know, as a wide receiver three, I mean, that's key. You're not going to get much better than that. Wide receiver two. I mean, it, you know, his value was always very, very, I mean, he, he put up wide receiver two numbers, consistent like he was like the take it to the bank ppr he's catching five passes for 55 yards at a minimum he's gonna get you those splash games where he gets you 20 or 30 fantasy points because he catches 11 balls for 102 and a two tutties i mean he was just a guy that was as consistent and reliable as you could count on and i actually see a lot of cooper cup and julian edelman and his pairing up with i mean he Look at what he did last year coming off of an ACL tear. And there's no Brandon Cooks in town now. I had both of them last year. Cup was, oh, yeah. was probably my Cup was probably my best pick. I got him in the mid rounds and and I paired him, Edelman, and Stefan Diggs. Those were my my top three wide receivers. So I was pretty solid there. But again, David Johnson at the number four pick really did a number on me. <laughs> I know. I know you can, you can hit on all of them, but yep. if you miss on that running back one, it, it, that's a tough hole to fill. So, uh, so let's, but I mean, Robert Woods, by the way, those, both of those Rams receivers this year, I'm all about. 
two thumbs up because no Brandon Cooks, both of those, both Robert Woods and, and Cooper Cup are going to have very nice seasons. So, so that that kind of leads me into this season a little bit. So, so give me one, one sleeper and one bust. Oh, I mean, do you want them at each position, or you just want one? Just, give me one. Give me one player that that you would stay away from, and then one player that 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 you think you know is just going to have a breakout season. Leonard Fournette is the one I'm staying away from because there is a lot of writing on the wall when it comes to the Jags. They don't want him to be a part of their future moving forward. They did not. I mean, Cam Newton is still a free agent and they've got Gardner fricking Minshew under center at that. I mean, don't, I'm not talking trash about Minshew mania. I get it. He was very good. I thought he was very good considering the circumstances that he walked into last year as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I thought he, I thought he played his, his tail off, but they are not setting him up to succeed and they just declined Leonard Fournette's fifth year rookie option, which means this is his last year in Jacksonville. I mean, not only that, but of all the players that saw 200 or 50 or more carries last year, only Derrick Henry saw an eight man stacked box more than Leonard Fournette and Fournette only seeing the fact that he's, I think he touched the ball like 341 times. He scored three touchdowns last year. They brought in Jay Gruden, too. This is an under-the-radar thing, and these two moves also spell doom for Leonard Fournette's fantasy value. Jay Gruden was the head coach in Washington before he was let go midway through last season, and he brought Chris Thompson with him. And Chris Thompson, for each of the last five years, caught 35 or more passes. Leonard Fournette saw a hundred targets and caught 70 balls last year. There is no shot in blue hell that Fournette is catching that many passes this year with Chris Thompson in town. No way. Jay Gruden trusts Thompson in passing situations and you better bet your tail when the Jags are playing from behind, which they will be often in with all the defensive talent they have offloaded this off season. The writing is on the wall there for stay away from Leonard Fournette. Gotcha. I will remember that without question. And then, and then a sleeper, somebody that, that that's going to go under the radar or, you know, okay. that's posed to have a, a breakout type season. I'm going to give you two. Cause I can't just give you one. All right, Actually, fine. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three because three's I can't, I, I'll, I'm going to give I'll, you four. I'm going to give you four. I'm going to rapid fire them. Cause right, I have to do it. Every that's fine. Season. Perfect. <laughs> boy believes your boy believes. All right. First at quarterback, Carson Wentz. They added speed, speed, speed is what you need. We need greasy, fast speed. If you know oh, Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, they brought in Quez Watkins, Jalen Rega from TCU, a healthy Deshaun Jackson. We saw what Deshaun Jackson can do paired up with Carson Wentz. Wentz throws one of the best deep balls in the entire National Football League. He's got two of the best tight ends that demand attention underneath from safeties. If you try to single them up, Ertz and Goddard will eat you alive. They have a nice offensive line in front of Carson Wentz. And as long as he can stay healthy, he is going to be dropping deep balls all over the place. I think Wentz has incredible upside considering where he's going in fantasy drafts at quarterback. Give me your thoughts on that. Do you, do you, do you see that as a, yeah. I mean, some people don't believe in Carson Wentz. No, I, the, the big, the big thing is whether or not he can stay healthy. I mean, right. that's, that's always been the thing with Wentz. I mean, it's hard to believe that, that, you know, just a little over a year ago that there were Eagles fans that were out there clamoring for Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. 
Uh, you know, and a lot of that was, you know, Super Bowl hangover and, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I Deshaun Jackson is another player that I had on my team last year. And, you know, I had a good first couple weeks until I think it was actually just a good a week. Good one. week one. Yeah, good, good week, week one. one. <laughs> uh, and then he went down. But yeah, you know, it's always that, that wide receiver position has been a problem for the Eagles for seems like since Mike Quick back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the the fact that he now has three or four solid wide receiver targets, he's got two very, very good tight ends, which is how the game is played these days. You can't just have one. You need two uh, to really make it work. And and so, so yeah, you know, in a running game that that is, you know, not going to blow you away. You know, so all of those things, I think, line up to if he stays healthy. Sure, I can see him having a, a great season. And then at running back. So I'm very now this is this is not going to be the first one I'm going to say is not going to be a sleeper, but I'm very high on Clyde Edwards Elair out of LSU, who the Kansas City Chiefs took in the first round. Uh, his only competition is Damian Williams. And look, Damian Williams is no scrub, but. Clyde Edwards Elair caught 55 passes and at times looked like the best football player on the field. And that's considering with Joe Burrow, who set the single season record and had the best re- best season any quarterback in college has ever had. Uh, you turn on that Alabama tape, though, he dominated that football game, you know, catching passes and running the ball on the ground for that offense which is just a, basically a track team. And with Patrick yeah. Mahomes at the at the helm, I mean, we could easily see. Clyde Edwards Elair, you know, putting up great PPR numbers. But really, Raheem Mostert is the sleeper guy at the running back spot. Now, can I go deeper and say, you know, one of the committee guys? I could, but you know, right around that fifth, sixth, you're getting him at the right price tag. So Mostert, the the 49ers finished second in the league in rushing per game. You know, Mostert scored a touchdown each of the last six games of the regular season and was the primary ball carrier in the postseason he took the job from Tevin Coleman um so they let they traded away Matt Breda so I think this lines up well for Mostert to be the lead back in a Shanahan system with the best play caller in the league in Kyle Shanahan with a team that primarily wants to run the football I mean yes there's going to be Coleman's going to get involved and maybe probably another third back here and there because that's just the way of the NFL but Mostert is going to see enough touches to be fantasy relevant this year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. I mean, he got rid of his competition, got rid of some of his competition and, and, and he was, you know, he was somebody that was very sought after mid season. I mean, people were scrambling to pick up, uh, to pick up Mostert mid season. So um, last question I have for you, Derek is, is what, what tips would you give somebody who is, new to the world of fantasy football and doesn't want to make a complete fool of themselves. So we're going to do a how-to series, how to play fantasy football. And it's going to be for beginners over on the Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. So go ahead and check it out if, uh, if you haven't gotten a chance to. But um, the best bit of advice that I can say is don't necessarily worry about filling out your starting roster immediately. The basics, go running back early. Wide receivers get about five or six total of them before you start addressing the quarterback and tight end positions. Now, look, if you if you're in love with Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Rob Rob Gronkowski, any specific player, get them. It's your team. You want to cheer for your team. And that's totally fine. But 
don't panic if by the sixth round you don't have your starting tight end yet. Just continue to take running backs and receivers, load up there, and then quarterbacks and tight ends you can stream. Generally, if you if you go that route, you will have a competitive team. Excellent. So, Derek, you mentioned your um, uh, Fantasy Focus YouTube channel. You want to just take a minute and kind of let everybody know the, the different places that they can find you and they can find your content uh Sure. Uh, you know, because, you know, fantasy football is is a multi-million dollar business and, and everybody's looking to get a leg up. So where can they go to find you? You can find us anywhere. Any Really, when it comes to podcasting, that's our main platform. So you can find us any really however you digest your podcast, whether it's on Spotify, um, you know, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. You can find us on any of those uh, platforms uh, for the visual formats and for our live shows. We really go live every single weekend, but we do a lot of DFS stuff. We have a new partnership with a company called Monkey Knife Fight. I know that DraftKings and FanDuel are kind of the the you know daily fantasy sports kings right now, but you should check out uh, Monkey Knife Fight because they have daily competitions from everything when it comes to sports to even esports. Man, I, I haven't gotten into the esports stuff yet. But if you are down with League of Legends and all the other games that they do competitions for on Monkey Night Fight, use the uh, promo code FOCUS. You actually, when you make a deposit of 50 or more dollars, you actually get an additional $50 credited to your account automatically. So it's pretty cool, man. We're going to be doing a lot of great stuff over at the Fantasy Focus channel, but mostly we stream live on YouTube uh, on the weekends for the fantasy debate with Sam and Tate and our normal uh, Fantasy Focus live show where we basically do... Uh, answer DFS questions and matchup your matchup questions every Sunday at 11 a.m. Awesome. All of those, uh, all of those various places will be in the links below down here. Yeah. Did um, you get all that? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'll watch, I'll watch the video three or four times and I'll make sure I get everything listed down there so that uh, people can, can check you and, and Sam and the rest of the fantasy focus. Out. So yeah, if you're looking, if you're looking for the inside scoop on on fantasy, the world of fantasy football, Derek and his team are are the place to go. So Derek, I, again, I appreciate your time today, uh, sitting down and talking to me. It's always, you know, it's always fun to 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 kind of suspend reality for a little bit, right? And that's that's really what fantasy football is naturally, but especially now being able to just kind of you know bury your head in it and 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 really just kind of. Um, you know, pretend that everything's normal if only for if only for an hour or so. So, um, yeah, Derek, all again, the fantasy lifestyle, baby. You got to stay fantasy focused. Uh, fan- uh, but no, fan- fantasy football, man, always it's it's like my my solace, my place to go to to unwind from from reality. And just in, in my own world, I have a stacked dynasty fantasy football team that I'm very proud of. Awesome. And that's the way it should be. I mean, we're all all in some ways proud of our fantasy football team, even if nobody <laughs> else wants to hear about it. So, Derek, right. I mean, it's like your dog, like no one wants to hear about your dog. I care about my dog, but right. I don't I don't want to hear it and see pictures right. of your dog. I'm kind of like eh, indifferent about it. But my team, I could talk about it all day and I love got it. it. You got it. So, Derek, again, thanks for your time. Uh, and everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Once again, that was Derek Tate, lead fantasy football analyst for Fantasy Focused and sports anchor for Newsnet. You can find Derek on Twitter at DTater4, that's D-T-A-T-E-R-4, and his Fantasy Focused team at Fantasy Focused with two Ds. All this information will be posted below. 
audio recordings of this and all of my other interviews can be heard anywhere podcasts are found. If you've got suggestions for upcoming interviews or feedback about interviews I've already conducted, I can be reached on Twitter at SportsGuyAaron, and I can be found on YouTube and Facebook at Around the World Sports. Thanks for watching. Be seeing you. Bye-bye. Till next time. And that's the way it is. Take care of yourself. Good night and good luck.